Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Welcome back to a day of prayer's morning Bible study. We're glad you could join us and be a part of our family. Before we get into the word, LaCharles, can you please pray for us? Yes. Lord, just thank you for today, Lord. Just thank you that you have continued to be with us along the way, Lord, and that you have continued to bless us, Lord, and give us grace and mercy, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for giving us insight on how to go about your will, Lord, and how to accomplish it as you will have it accomplished, Lord. And Lord, just thank you for everybody who's listening to these devotions, Lord, and that they continue to learn and grow from the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. And we're getting ready here to continue with our study in Corinthians. So if you all could, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And could I get a volunteer to read from verses 9 through 17, please? I will. God is faithful by whom... You were called into a fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all all speak the same thing, and that there is no divisions among you, but that you being perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Cleo's household. Chloe? Chloe's mm-hmm. household, that there are contentions among you. Mm-hmm. Now I say this, that each of, you, each of you says, I am Paul, or I am Apollos, or I am Cephas, or I am Christ. Is Christ divided? Was, was Paul crucified to you? Or, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I think that I baptized none of you except Chris Crispus Crips Crispus 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 and Gaius Gaius. At least anyone should say that I ba- had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Steph Stephanus. Mm-hmm. Besides, I did not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to glo- to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, le- least the Best. C- lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Thank you, sweetheart. You're welcome. Yes. So, I want to open the floor to you guys to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you, and to ask any questions that you have. All right. So, okay. I'll open the floor and let you begin. Uh, I have a question. All right, what is it, sir? Uh, in verse 12, when it says, I am Apollos, um, he's saying, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. Oh. Mm-hmm. But what's your question, baby? Was that like the... Like, is that a person from the Bible? Apollos? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
You can read more about his, um, a little bit about his ministry in Acts, that he was also a teacher of the word of God, the gospel. And they were um, crossing paths, if you will, ministering to people. Yes, he was an excellent orator or speaker in his day, right? Um, This is what you'll find. Not that he didn't also come with knowledge and, and power and authority of the Lord, right? But that was also his gifting was speaking. And so what's happening here is Paul is addressing divisions within the church. And divisions in this sense is covering, or what Paul is addressing in this, this section of Scripture, is who people follow. Right? There were some that followed, so Paul or Apollos, right? Yes. Um, Cephas being uh, Peter. And then some that just follow Christ. So think of it uh, in today's terms, right? Some would say, okay, I follow um, Kenneth Copeland, or I follow Benny Hinn, or I follow Kenneth Hagen, or, 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 you know, I mean, Kenneth Hagen's going to be the Lord, Right, but think of it in those terms. Yes, Does that make sense? Does that make more sense now? Yes. So, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that's a really neat point some of the listeners may not understand. You know, um, some of us who've been in church all of our life, whether we were in relationship with Christ, you know, we, we have a base of knowledge or an understanding. Sometimes it's not uh, really expressed to those who are coming into the faith. And so there were lots of people that were proclaiming Christ, that were that were serving, that were missionaries, that were evangelists, that were teaching, and was common at the time to um, be like a rabbi or be like a teacher and have a group or following with you. And so uh, just because we don't have all the names of all the people that were doing it, there were lots of people doing it. It's not just what we're reading about in the New Testament. It's just fortunate enough that some of them captured it in writings they were able to look back and, and review. So Apollos is just one name. It could have been hundreds if not thousands of people that were out there teaching and would have had a group of followers or a group of people that were under them learning about Christ through them, but not, not exalting any person, but only exalting Christ. Mm-hmm. Which is why Paul, um, why Paul writes in verse 13, is Christ divided? Mm-hmm. Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Exactly. So Paul could have, Paul did die, right? We know that he yes. did die on a stake, right? Yes. Uh, I don't recall how he died. Uh, Peter did, right? Peter was, was crucified upside down because he did not consider it, um, um, himself worthy, if you will, to be crucified in the same manner as the Lord. So Okay. So I'm not quite clear on how Paul died. However, whether he had died for them or not, it means nothing. Why? Because Jesus' blood is the only blood that can save. When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes into the Father except through me, he meant that. So, you know, I, I think I've, I've spoken with my kids, even in, in going, I love you, but I did not die for you. You can't be saved through me right? Or dad. And even if I did die for you, it's a nice gesture, but it's not going to take you anywhere. It might preserve you for a moment. 
in, in the way of I might physically protect you. But at the end of the day, it does not provide or produce salvation for you. You can't live by anything that I've done in and of itself. All you can stand on is what Christ did through me. I happen to be a vessel that God used, but it was Christ who gives the value. So um, no one's name, blood, sacrifice can do or produce any lasting result outside of Jesus Christ. And it's being obedient to Christ that gives the value to anything that we do. Exactly. And not that it is bad to listen to to other individuals that are preaching and teaching mm-hmm. the word of, of the Lord, right? Um, in full, incomplete, in faith, right? And, and Paul later addresses this in Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, right? Yeah. Where he also gives his, his position among them because a little, little history. Paul went to Corinth during one of his missionary journeys. And this is sometime after that, that he is writing to them based on some of the reports that he's had. But again, he addresses this exact thing here in in 1 Corinthians 4.15, where he's saying, even if you had 10,000 guardians or 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you only have one spiritual father. And then he says, I became your father in Christ when I preached the good news to you. In other words, yeah, he was the one that, that brought many to the Lord, into that relationship. That's how the Lord used him. And, and he's not condemning any of the other people in this moment of saying, well, they can't preach to you, they can't talk to you, because I'm the one that led you to Christ. That's, that's not what he's saying here, right? So I want to I point that out because I think it's it's important that we understand, right? Yes, whatever church you go to, whatever pastor, whatever, which is great. But you are responsible, not your pastor, for your spiritual growth and development. They're there to help guide you and, and teach you the word as they know it. But even, I'll, I'll say it in the context of this ministry, it is to support what your pastor's and those that in the church that you attend, the brick and mortar structure that you attend, are feeding you. Because I can't survive on one meal a week, uh, on just hearing the word once in a week. No one can. Even in the natural, you need more than just one meal. So this ministry is meant to augment or support, to bolster the work that those that the Lord has, has placed you, whose care that he is a, you have been given or assigned to, are doing so that you can grow or to aid in your spiritual and natural growth and development. Mm-hmm. And, and in that same vein or line of thought is what Paul is saying here. Hey, I may have been used, or I, and not may have, he was used to bring people into that relationship with Christ, the Messiah, the true and living God. Mm-hmm. And he also acknowledges, hey, others are, are helping and they're coming alongside to do the work and, and help build you up mm-hmm. in that relationship. Mm-hmm. But also recognizing that he's not a replacement or a substitute for Jesus Christ. 
That's it. All the work that he did was because God is the one who commissioned him, as he mentioned at the beginning of um, chapter 1, that he's called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. So understanding, even as we are participating in local ministry where God has assigned us to, do that with your whole heart as unto the Lord, but make sure your focus is visualizing, I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm doing what God asked me to do. Because in, let's see, Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19 and 20, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we weren't baptizing in the name of Paul or in the name of Apollos or in the name of Cephas or in the name of Kimisha or Pastor John or anybody else or Pastor so-and-so. You can do nothing in any other name but the name of Jesus Christ. That's the only name given by which men can be saved. So just making sure that the enemy doesn't have an opportunity to sway our focus. To Instead of worshiping God, we become worshipers of man however noble or valiant they may seem or appear, there is nothing that can su sustain us that we can stand upon outside of the name of Jesus Christ. I can't stand upon the word of a human being except they spoke what Jesus said. Exactly. And in that case, it's God's word coming to me. And the, the vessel, while we appreciate, is not the object of my affection or adoration. That place solely and only belongs to our Lord and Savior. Amen. Only belongs to him. So... Paul is referencing the same truth and structure and instruction that Jesus gave when he was departing to go, hey, wait a second. Don't let the enemy come in and sway your judgment. Don't let the focus of your mind's eye become distracted from who you are really here serving, who you are really to obey, who you really belong to. That's the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God is not divided. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Mm -hmm. So while we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are one, and they move in communion and fellowship and complete alignment with one another to carry out the sole purpose of God the Father. So likewise, we are to be in communion and fellowship over this fact, Jesus is Lord. And as we love each other, we go forward and we make disciples to Jesus. We ourselves are discipled only to Jesus Christ, and we disciple others to Jesus Christ because it's God's faithfulness, as we read, we reread in verse 9. God is faithful, and He's the one who called you into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who's able to make you stand. Keep your eyes and your focus on Him, and thereby closing out the opportunity for the enemy to divide us because a house divided against itself cannot stand. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyone else have anything they want to share that the Lord's speaking to them about? No, Mom, pretty much covered it. Oh, okay. <laughs> go ahead, sweetheart. I'm sorry. Go ahead, honey. No, it's okay. We'll share your perspective. Oh, it was just recently, I think a couple of days ago, I had been asking the Lord, kind of pondering, why are there so many different sects, if you will, of Christianity? Like, people profess to be Christians, but they say, oh, I'm a Catholic Christian or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I always wondered, like, how could this be if we all say we serve the same God and we believe the Bible as being true? How do we have 
these different divisions if you're saying all these things are true. But like you said, Mommy, it's people inserting themselves. I believe at one point they may have had they may have had good intentions and at other points, like we read in Peter and in Jude, there were wicked people that tried to sneak in and sow seeds of dissension and confusion. But how could this be aside from the devil was allowed room to creep in and to cause the house to divide against itself. So instead of actually being aware of what's going on around us and standing in faith together and standing on what God's word says concerning the matters and being the light we're supposed to be as a church in the body of Christ, we're busy arguing amongst ourselves, saying, you're wrong, I'm right. And the enemy is just running ruckshot around the world and then we as believers want to complain about, well, God, help us. You said this. Why is our world like this? But we have allowed ourselves to get off track and off tangent and didn't actually take up our armor and our guard and protect what the Lord has given us. Amen. That's a, that's a great point. And actually, how, did the foothold, how was the foothold given to the enemy? Promise? Would you read James, please? Uh, what's, what's it say? Why there are quarrels and... Uh, okay, yes, I knew you knew it. Where do, fight, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war on your members? Should I continue? Please. You lust and do not have. You murder and come and cannot attain. You fight and war, yet you do not ask because you do not have because you do not ask. Do I continue? Yes. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Mm. So, Kyle, you brought up a, a great point. And... It is about all the, uh, when I was talking about the division, right, as it pertains to what the example Paul is giving. And he's saying it was about various speakers. Uh, and I love how you expanded on it and said, look, even within, I'll say Christianity, what's often referred to as Christianity, there are multiple, what, we, what are known as denominations, there's Baptist, but then there's Southern Baptist, but then there's Pentecostal, but then there's Calvinist, but then they're right, and, and they're all kind of lumped in. Why is that the case? Because then when you look at the history of the church, did the Lord favor one denomination over another? No. Has he used each one equally? And by that, I mean, were there not revivals led by literally, I'll say each denomination? Yeah. The Lord has used every one. Every denomination has been part of or led, used in some miraculous way to bring about revival. And you're talking, you're speaking of modern times of the church. Absolutely, Because yes. the initial church, there were no denominations. Exactly. The church, when the 
the day of Pentecost fully came and the first day of establishment, there were no segregations. There were no um, dissensions. It was one church. And interestingly enough, everyone, well, not everyone, but multiple native tongues were present and God ministered to all of them, yet they were still one. Exactly. But even in our flesh, dividing the church up, and all these different denominations. The Lord still proves himself that he's no respecter of persons, that as long as we believe in the Lord, right, we'll, we shall be saved. And, and everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he's used countless denominations to bring about revival and, and a repentance and people actually turning to the Lord. It's not about whether you're denomination or non-denominational or which denomination necessarily, right? It's a matter, it really comes down to what is the message that's being sent? It is about the Lord and his fullness or is the word being twisted and taken, I'll say taught out of context, but also being twisted and manipulated, and manipulated, excuse me, not unlike what the devil attempted to do with scripture to Christ when he was tempted in the wilderness. And the only way that we will know that truly is, yes, spending time in the word, of course, but allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us and to write his word on the tablet of our hearts and and also reveal to us, to, to give us that discernment. Because as we're talking, right, some, like Apollos in this case, and if you study out a policy in scripture, right, he was an excellent speaker, very eloquent, right? Um, however, how many historically great speakers have been util- have utilized their ability, their God-given ability, and utilized it to bring about all kinds of destruction? There are many. Some of the, the greatest atrocities were in history, or brought about by people that were excellent speakers, where we, Christians, believers, should have a, be able to discern the true intention and the thought behind just what's staring us in the face, because we have the Holy Spirit to reveal those things, to say, this is truth, this is a lie, and, and minister to us. And so Paul is addressing that here, but then he's also saying, and as we pointed out, or James points out, so thank you for reading that promise, points out that you've allowed this to occur, right? Because in, in the grand scheme of life, is to bring it back to what we were saying about, or what the point you were bringing up, Kyle, about the church, we have all these divisions and denominations within Christianity. How can that be if each of these uh, I'll say even the, the people that, that founded these denominations, as it were, they were clearly used of the Lord. Many, right? Okay. So then why is it that there is so much division in the church? Which brings us back to James. And as a result, oh, go ahead, brother. There's a component of that too that, um, you know, A lot of things, especially what's going on in the world today, can seem daunting to us. <clears throat> there was a, um, a, a Chinese um, 
I don't know if he was a philosopher or artist, I can't remember, but he was um, um, a thorn in the side for the Chinese government because he was always speaking out against the government and what they were doing. And he ended up getting, um, I guess, while he was out of country at one point in time, was pretty much told if he ever came back, he was going to jail immediately and would be in there for the rest of his life. So he's never returned back to his country. He was speaking somewhere, I think it was Australia, and it was some Chinese students that were visiting the area, and they said, well, you know, um, you know it, was, it was different in your time, and you spoke out, and you made a difference, and how can we make a difference now in the world? And he said, well, you know, um, can, can you change yourself? And they said, well, yeah. And he said, well, you're in the world, so if you change yourself, you are changing the world, right? So we, we look at all this and go, gosh, this is a lot for us to take in. You know, what do we do with all this, right? I mean, there are divisions going on around us, right? And then it comes back to, you know, it's, it's our own greed, it's our own lust, it's our own desires, you know. So as Paul's going to share with us a little bit later, but we go into 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 5, really. But verse, I'll, I'll start him with verse 4, just to, I think it's important because it's kind of in the middle of a sentence, as it were, uh, for me anyway. It uh-huh. says, uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have designed power to destroy strongholds. And here, verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, mm-hmm. being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. And he goes on from there. So absolutely, where it all begins is, is as we acknowledge that there are divisions and strife, and then we look into James and say, where's it coming from? And now we have to take that thought captive to Christ. So... You know, imagine seeing me on a job site and I'm trying to screw a piece of wood together and I have the two pieces of wood and I have to screw and I take out my hammer and start pounding the screw through. Yeah, Kamisha's shaking her head. I get this <laughs> no. crazy looking at her. Why would, somebody, why would somebody do something? That's foolish. It would be absolutely foolish for me to use a hammer to drive screws in, right? So why do we accept that we can take reasoning in our own minds? We have to surrender Every thought, not just some thoughts, not the ones we agree with, not the ones we disagree with, but every thought captive to Christ, filter through that, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And most often in these times when we have these divisions, when we have these thoughts about other people that they're wrong and they need to change and all that, the Holy Spirit will speak to you, surrender that. And what we can always come back to, and why I made a comment about this, the Chinese gentleman, is that mm-hmm. we can take control of ourselves through the powers that God has given us, and it's not the powers of the flesh, it's the powers of the Spirit, through Jesus Christ, we bring those thoughts to him, lay him down at his feet, let him deal with them, and then in obedience accept what he shared with us and do that. Mm-hmm. That's, how it, that's how we make it all go away. That's how we break down this, this dauntingness of what's going on in the world around us and the own thoughts and all the divisions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's funny that you mentioned the only person that God asked us con- to control is ourselves. That's it. It's me. God asked me to control me. When you look at the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not you control. It's self-control. It's It's not everybody else control. It's self-control, as in me control me and make me look like Jesus Christ and bow down to what he says because his word is truth. You know, I was reflecting on the scriptures yesterday while we were standing outside and the Lord reminded me that all things, the whole world, all creation is upheld by the word of his power. Like God almighty, everything is existing because you said so. 
Everything is sustained and upheld, even if used wickedly, is upheld by the word of God's power and exists for his pleasure. And I'm like, okay, God, then how can I take my own thought, my own perspective and hold it up next to you as though it's something to behold? It, it's the stench is as of dung and menstruation rags before him. It's foul and it's putrid. How dare I? But there are times when I go, but no, Jesus, but look. Uh, and then I have to go, wait a second. If all things are upheld by the word of your power, then I need to make me get in alignment with that. There, that way I will be able to stand. That way I will be able to stand. And, um, you know, you were talking, sweetheart, about how the Lord used different people, although they were stationed within different denominations and was mm -hmm. able to bring about his will in the earth. But I want to look at that from why and how did God do that? He was looking for the same thing he's always been looking for. That's it. When I come back, will I find what? Faith, Faith in the earth. Somebody said, God, I'm willing to take you at your word. Whatever you say, God, no matter what my perspective is about it, I'll let you do what you want to do. That's how it came through. Even with Paul, when he was going down the road to Damascus and he had his encounter with God, did he, was he able to stand up and go, well, this is what I think your word says and you better do what I say. Or did he have to bow down first? He had to bow down. Who are you, Lord, owner and possessor of my being? Okay. And when God spoke to him, God didn't do one miraculous thing through him until he yielded. Those, those, um, he didn't even receive his healing or his sight back until he yielded. Amen. This, all this dynamic word that we're enjoying and we're eating and hearing from the spirit of God from today came as a result of his yielding to God, taking his own self-righteousness and despair putting it in its proper place, which is he counted it as dung uh -huh. to him, disposing of it, not emptying himself of the information that God gave him, but putting it in its rightful place, which is under the authority of Jesus Christ. And trusting his timing of that, John and I were talking, I don't know, a couple months back, John, what was it? Um, how long was it before Paul? It was three years and then 17. So it was 17 total years. Yeah. Paul received his salvation, you know, fully trusting the Lord that he was God. And then that, that he preached on the for Damascus Road. Yes. Right? And that's then he began. That's where it began. He preached the word for three years. And then the Lord brought him out into the wilderness to teach him for 14 years. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's so, a 17 so, year process. Yeah. So the point has to be in what Kamisha is saying is even in that, as you take that position in your heart before God, as that you're going to bring it to him, then are you going to demonstrate your trust and your patience in that, in the timing of that? Because we look at Paul as such, this great person, this great teacher. And, and he was, and you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and the Holy spirit used him wonderfully but it wasn't instantaneous. We see this, oh, he's on the road to Damascus, and Jesus came to him, and bam, and it was all changed, and look at him, and he just took off and did all this <laughs> stuff. No, it was 17 years. Yes, mm -hmm. but then why? Right? What happens in that time, or what happened? The same thing that happens to, happened to Paul can and will happen to each and every one of us if we allow it, right? There's things that Paul learned or taught that he thought was right and accurate, but then, of course, like I said, 
the Lord taught him through the Holy through His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit taught Paul, hey, no, this is what's right. This is what this actually means, what my word actually means throughout the entirety of it. And he had to uproot the things that weren't accurate, that were, in fact, a lie, even though it was the word, right? It was twisted. It was right, based off of whatever person taught him, right? So you're talking about beliefs, traditions, exactly. practices. And he was taught by Gamaliel, right? But he had to, yes, he had to expose the roots of those things. He had to uproot them from his life, and he had to replace the lies, the roots that had grown in as lies, with truth, with the Lord in his word, in his life. And that's a process. It takes time. And and just to, to build off of what we're saying, right, because uh, I find it, amazing here how paul is uh, i'll say right as he's right after building people up and encouraging and all them like i said he, he begins to address this first issue which is divisions and, and of course christ talks about that but as it pertains to just corinthians what we're studying paul talks about divisions throughout the entirety of as one of the many issues that he, he discusses throughout the entirety of Corinthians. I'll read uh, Corinthians 11, 18 and 19. All right, and this is the, the last piece or the third layer of these divisions, right? We talked about even in, in Christendom or the church, right? Well, people follow their own um, minister or whatever the case is, pastor, whatever it is. Then there's the, the bigger overarching, I'll say, division of as you pointed out kyla which has to do with denominational divisions but then he he brings it down to yet another layer and that's with inside the four church walls of whatever church you attend first corinthians 11 18 and 19 he says first of all i hear that when you come together as a church there are divisions among you and in part, I believe it. And he continues in 19. And indeed, there must be differences among you. And here's the reason. To show which of you are approved. So wait a second. So let's, let's put that then, but also modern day. Even within the four walls of whatever church building you're attending, there are people judging. And this is what Paul is, is discussing here. There are people judging and and all the rest of it, to confirm or exclude someone as having the faith. That's between them and the Lord, right? We are to, as we've, we've been discussing here, judge ourselves, right? Because that's, that's the later part of chapter uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, is, is about communion and fellowship with the Lord. And he says, let a man examine himself as if, we're, if we judge ourselves rightly, then we're not judged, right? Okay. So even with, so you see how quick in this, just this, this quick span of discussing the divisions in this few verses that Paul addresses, well, it's throughout the entirety of Corinthians, but there are layers to this. There's the overarching one of denominations. Then there's one of which pastor, preacher, teacher, whoever, people are following, and then even within the four walls of the church, amongst the, the congregation, 
or synagogue or whatever it is that people are attending. Their church body, church home. You're seeing divisions. How quick that happens and, and how many different levels and layers that this occurs. We have to examine ourselves. We have to submit and buffet our flesh and bring everything under the Lord and let Him rule and reign in every aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Cain to his brother Abel, after the onset of sin, after the release of sin into the earth, he was able to look at his brother, even though they had no other examples before them, he could look at his brother, or negative example, and find fault with him and determine and decide to kill him, right? So I want to read this to you, Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to start in verse 24. It says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now we know in this, God, Jesus is talking about overall the kingdom. But we're, I want us also to look at this as us being wheat, realizing that we have an adversary who walks about as a roaring lion. And as you mentioned, Kyla, um, can you turn to Ephesians 6.10? And just start reading that for me, dear. That's okay. We're going to Ephesians 6.10. Mm-hmm. Okay. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Keep reading. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having all having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having sawed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take this, the shield of faith with which you will, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Amen. So, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We know that the adversary is ultimately fighting and resisting against God. Our job is to be aware and to not partake of said 
plots and schemes of the wicked one from the smallest group to the greatest group that we can be a part of. Do we wink our eye and go along with sin? Absolutely not, because then we have betrayed the witness and the glory of the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. But we are to stand, but also in that standing, offer the grace and the kindness and the goodness of the Lord, because that's what draws men unto repentance. But making sure that we gird ourselves and we put on the whole armor of God, that we're able to rightly navigate and differentiate the situations, the time, the seasons, and the positions that we're in, that we neither go off before God or we lag or neither lag behind him, that we are neither swayed and pulled away to follow after other things aside from our God or become a worker of iniquity. Okay? We can stand right on the mark who is Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage us to do that. Amen. All right, well, there's a lot in there. <laughs> there is. And you know, so I think we're at a good stopping place for today to to go and, and listen and and study the word and you know check and see what if what we have said is true and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Um, so with that, can I get a, a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. Please continue. Lord, I just thank you for today and for your faithfulness, Lord, and for your mercy and your grace, God. And I thank you for the things that you've been teaching us, Lord, and edifying us and building us up, Lord, and cultivating us, shaping us into the men and women that you have destined and called us to be, Lord. And I just thank you for our listeners and our partners, Lord, and just for your word that we have an example. We have a pattern to follow, Lord. We have the instruction, God directly from you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we love you. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.